You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. College football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer right now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 freaking dollars in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odd boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States. So it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WIT-IT. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Tomas Tete! What is going on, Devils fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, rumors, and so much more about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys especially after this past Thursday, are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. Not only myself, but the entire Hockey Podcast Network. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Folks, let's get down to business here. We had one of the most action-packed days in Devil's history in quite some time this past Thursday. Uh, I still remember the fact that I had just finished, um, you know, 
basically promoting episode 69 nice of this of the devil's state of mind podcast and you haven't seen an episode yet please go check that out um would greatly greatly appreciate it but it almost was basically like right after i was done promoting a lot of news from the devils came out by far the devils were the most uh talked about team that specific day and it wasn't just because we signed a certain tuna like player on Thursday, we had a bunch of other moves that were made within the organization, as well as a pretty big restricted free agent re-signing as well. There is a lot to talk about. So, as I always say before we start in the episode, let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So, we're going to kind of try to go in chronological order of the news that we got throughout the day because like I said there was a lot that went through on this particular day so let's start with this the first thing that the first bit of news that we got which was relatively I would say around like 10 30 in the morning the Devils uh named former Binghamton Devils head coach uh Mark Dennehy who as chief scout and amateur scout of amateur scouting. So on Thursday, August 5th, the Devils announced that Mark Dennehy had been promoted to chief scout, amateur scouting from his previous role as head coach of the Binghamton Devils, who are now obviously the Utica Comets. Mark will work closely with hockey operations executives and the amateur scouting department and the entire staff to enhance the club's scouting and development capabilities. And what's interesting is that he was... I don't want to necessarily say he was fired from the head coaching position of the minor league team of the AHL team. Basically, he was just promoted from the position that he's in. And he was actually promoted to this nearly three years to the day that he was hired as the head coach of the Binghamton Devils. Then he obviously, like I said, was named the head coach of the Binghamton Devils on August 1st of 2018. And in his first three seasons with the, or basically his first three years uh, with the team, the club's best year was 2019-2020 when he piloted the team to a 34-24 and four market 62 games, fourth place in North Division and sitting in a playoff spot at the time of the pause, at which point they were the hottest team in the AHL while riding a seven-game win streak and had a 23-9 record since December 14th. If if some of you guys have been able to watch uh, some of the Binghamton Devils or just the AHL team over the last couple of years, you go back to that year two years ago and the team started off pretty much like the New Jersey Devils started. They got off to a really bad start. And I would, you know, honestly, by the time we got to early November, uh, Binghamton was pretty much dead in the water. It didn't look like they were going to have any sort of opportunity to get back in it. But something just clicked on it. And I still don't know exactly what it was, but they just were able to turn it around and were, as I just mentioned, the hottest team in the AHL up until the entire year was paused due to COVID-19. And it was difficult because that would have been the first time, I believe, that the Binghamton Devils had been in the playoffs since they got to Binghamton. So that would have been a pretty spectacular thing. And also, you could make an argument that that team was primed and ready, considering how hot they were, that they were going to make a run at the Calder Cup, which would have been awesome if they were able to do that. And then obviously this past year, they really, really struggled to win games. And that was obviously disappointing. And now they are the Utica Comets. And they'll obviously be, be a little bit more talented with some of the young prospects that we have, guys like Holtz and Dawson Mercer, coming over and getting a chance to officially begin their professional hockey league careers. Um, 
it's going to be a very, very interesting season for the Utica Comets now the uh, official AHL affiliate of the Devils. But going back to Mark Dennehy, one of the things that he was given a lot of credit for is the amount of, basically the amount of young players that have taken the next step in playing in the NHL. And some of the guys that really, you know, stand out to me are obviously guys like Yanni Kvokinen, uh, Yegor Sharangovich, uh, Jesper Boquist to a lesser extent, Michael McLeod, Tyce Thompson. Uh, those were just some guys, Nolan Foote, Kevin Ball, all of these guys played for Dennehy within the past three years and have gotten at least a couple of games in the NHL. And so basically what Tom Petro wants to do with Dennehy is basically use him now more in just the developmental part of it all. Basically, it's one of those things where they want him to be more focused on the full development of this team. And Fitzgerald has talked about this before, how he wants to make his hockey operations development program one of the best, if not the best, in the National Hockey League. He is very big on having guys come into the New Jersey Devils organization, grow, develop the way they need to develop to become NHL players, whether that's with the Devils or with another team if we decide to move on from them for whatever reason. But, you know, honestly, I don't look at this as, you know, Denny, he was fired for the season that he had or the performance that he had. It's simply that there was an opportunity to add him to the developmental team, and that's what they decided to do. So obviously that's something that is pretty interesting. And so that kind of leads into the next story that comes up because then the next question is, okay, well, then who's going to be the next head coach of the AHL team for the Devils? And originally I would have said if I had the opportunity to say it, but I'll say it here, my opinion, I would have chosen Sergey Breland. Sergey Breland has been in the Devils organization for Many, many, many years, not just as a player, but also as a coach. Uh, Lula Morello has kept him around for a long time. And even the new regime of Devils owners have decided to keep him along. And I thought that maybe this was his opportunity to do so. But the Devils wasted very little time, maybe because they already had this in place. But I would say about a half hour later, the Devils made the announcement that they have named Kevin Deneen as the new head coach of the AHL affiliate, the Utica Comets. And they also said that all of the assistant coaches, associate coach Sergey Breland, assistant coach Ryan Perrant, goaltending coach Brian Eklund, and video coach Adam Perner will all return this season as part of Deneen's staff. So nobody, so Deneen is not going to be bringing in anybody new. He's going to be keeping basically the same staff, which again brings up the point about Dennehy that really the Devils do not look at what happened as a, a failure and that they need to make changes. They needed to make changes only because they wanted to have Dennehy be more involved in the player development role. And also talking about Deneen's resume, which we'll get to in just a moment, he is very, very well known about developing players and making them NHL, you know, consistent NHL players. So this is something. And once I read to you his bio, you're going to be pretty impressed with what Deneen brings to the Devils organization. Deneen, who is 57 years of age, has spent the last two seasons serving as head coach of the, I think they're called the San Diego Gulls, which is the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks organization. He's has posted a 56-36-9 record and a three-game playoff appearance in 2021. They went one and two before being knocked out. Prior to San Diego, he was an assistant coach from 2014-15 to 2018-19 with the Chicago Blackhawks, winning a Stanley Cup in his first year on Joel Quenbo's staff. So he has some experience in the NHL, albeit it's an assistant coach role, 
But at the same time, he also was a head coach in the National Hockey League. He was a head coach of the Florida Panthers for two seasons starting in 2011-2012. So he has some NHL experience as well. So when you keep reading this here, it says, following his playing career, he spent 2003-2004 and 2004-2005 as, as assistant general manager with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Deneen would begin his coaching career, spending the next six seasons as the head coach of the Portland Pirates from 05-06 to 07-08 as the Anaheim AHL affiliate, and then from 08-09 to 2010-2011 as the Buffalo Sabres AHL affiliate. He took the club to two Eastern Conference Finals in 06 and 08, winning the Louis A.R. Pierre Memorial Award, which is basically the Coach of the Year Award in the American Hockey League, in his inaugural season. Denis would make the jump to the National Hockey League at the start of the 2011-2012 season, like I mentioned, as he would spend the next two years as the head coach of the Florida Panthers. So he was actually one of the coaches. Um, he took over for, I want to say he ended up taking over for Pete DeBoer, after Pete DeBoer left from Florida to join, uh, to become the head coach of the New Jersey Devils. So that's who Deneen faced in the first round of the Eastern Conference uh, quarterfinals uh, or Eastern Conference Stanley Cup playoffs that year when the Devils made the run to the Cup final. Taking the Panthers to the Eastern Conference quarterfinals in his first year in 2012, obviously, like I mentioned, losing to the eventual Eastern Conference champion, New Jersey Devils. As an international coach, Deneen helmed Team Canada's women's national hockey team leading squad to a fourth consecutive Olympic gold medal in the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. He also coached Canada's men's team at the 2014 IIHF World Junior Under-18 Championship, winning a bronze medal. And then you look at Deneen as a player, because let me tell you something. Deneen is a hockey guy. Everything I'm telling you just proves that this guy, you know, lives, breathes hockey. Like, he has been a hockey man his entire life. Uh, Deneen was drafted by the Hartford Whalers in the third round, 56th overall, in the 1982 National Hockey League entry draft. The right-shooting, rugged winger played 19 seasons in the National Hockey League, playing in 1,188 games with four different teams, the Hurricanes, Hartford Whalers, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Ottawa Senators. The veteran told 760 points in his career, scoring 355 goals and 405 assists with 2,200 29 penalty minutes. He also added 41 points, 23 goals, 18 assists, with 127 penalty minutes in 59 Stanley Cup playoff games. You got all that? Basically, what I'm trying to say from what I from what I was able to pick up from research-wise is that Deneen has a huge amount of experience. And one of the things that he has been known for is doing a very good job of developing players. That's why he's obviously had a lot more experience in the American Hockey League. His job for a lot of the part is to develop these guys. And he has done a very, very good job. And Tom Fitzgerald, when he spoke about hiring Deneen, saying that he was very excited to do so. And obviously Dan McKinnon, the assistant general manager of the Devils and the general manager of the UK Comets, he spoke to the media as well and said that basically what they were looking for in their next head coach was a guy that took development very seriously. And understood that not only do they want these players to develop while down there, but also to win, to create a winning culture from the bottom to the top, so that when they get the opportunity to come up to the NHL, they're already accustomed to this. They know what it takes. They know what they need to do 
moving forward to put themselves in the best position to be successful for themselves and just the team in general. And Kevin Deneen said he's super excited to be part of the Devils organization. And he said when he spoke to McKinnon, as well as Tom Fitzgerald, and talked about what the organization can offer and what they really want from him, Deneen said that it was very easy for him to make this decision. So it's kind of nice that Dennehy gets to stay on in a higher role. And Deneen basically just replaces him and comes in with a massive, massively impressive resume. I mean, this guy has been everywhere. He's been in the NHL as a head coach. He's been in the minor leagues as a head coach. He's been a head coach internationally and won some, won some very big things, won a gold and a bronze in two different, you know, with the women, obviously, and the men. He's worked with so many good hockey people. He has been exposed to pretty much almost every single thing you could think of. And I think that the biggest, there are several benefits to Denise coming here. One, obviously, is that the young kids, especially some of the new guys that are going to be coming in, are going to be getting a guy that understands exactly what he wants out of these players and what he expects from them. Two, he's going to create a winning culture down there. While we, and you know, in the New Jersey Devils, are going to try to create a winning culture with the players we have now, Denise is going to create a winning culture down in Utica or up in Utica. Um, and try to make that team successful as well. Because if you have your whole organization winning and being successful and developing well, you have a very, very deep organization that can become very scary for other teams to go up against for years to come. So this is a really, really good thing. So both of these moves are very, very interesting. They're very impressive. And Deneen really blows me away with what he can bring to the table. And I'm very excited to see what he can do with the young guys down in Utica. So as I will mention just one more time, uh, former Binghamton Devils head coach Mark Dennehy has now been promoted to chief scout of amateur scouting. So he will no longer be the head coach of the AHL team. He just got promoted. And then the Devils hired Kevin Deneen as the new head coach of the AHL affiliate of the Devils, the Utica Comets. Now, Let's move on to some player acquisitions. Base, I mean, we could say one of them is a player acquisition. The other one is obviously just a, a um, someone getting re-signed. Now, in the last episode, when I talked to you guys, we talked about both Marion Studenich and um, Mason Jobs both uh, re-signing with the Devils because they were RFAs. And then I said that the only two guys left from RFA standpoint that needed to be signed were Yanni Kulkinen and Igor Sharangovich. Well, once again, on the same day, Thursday, August 5th, and the Devils, with a very, very nice um, video that they put out that they, that they created, they announced the re-signing of Yegor Sharon Golvich. So that was something that's not a surprise. You knew at some point that was going to get done. I think it was a matter of just what did the Devils want to do? How much money did they really want to give him and go from there? So the Devils announced that they had signed Sharon Govich to a two-year contract, which is worth $4 million. So he'll be making $2 million this season and moving into next season. The breakdown is as follows. In 2021-22, he's going to be making $1.8 million, actually. And then in 2022-23, he'll be making a little bit more 2.2. So it's not exactly $2 million this year, $2 million that year. They kind of put a little bit more in his third year and put a little bit less in his second year. The way I look at this deal is a prove-it deal. It's not a one-year thing. It's a two-year thing to give him some stability, saying, hey, you are a big part of our organization moving forward, but we want to see more out of you. 
Because you look at his rookie year, he had 16 goals, 14 assists, 30 points. By far one of the best offensive players we had last season. This guy, even when he wasn't scoring, he was constantly in your vision. He was taking shot after shot. There were so many times where I was just happy that instead of you know him dumping the puck into the zone when a line change was being made, he would just take a shot on goal. And I would like to hope that he continues to do that moving forward. I hope nobody tells him to do anything different because this guy is really, really tremendous. And as the year progressed, Sharon Govich got more and more comfortable. He got more confident and he started building some really good chemistry with the likes of Yanni Kwokin and Jack Hughes and even Nico Heeshear to a lesser extent. But particularly those two other guys that I just mentioned, he really, really got things going. And he also, in my opinion, really established himself as a top six regular NHL player. He really showed that this was the opportunity for him because you look at the way he started the year. And I'm not talking about when he started the year with New Jersey. I'm talking about when he was in the KHL and he was top three in scoring. I mean, this is a guy who is 23 years of age. And this guy was constantly being one of the most impressive players in the KHL playing against some very talented players and guys that are certainly older than he is. So he had a lot to prove. So when he got to New Jersey, he was already in basically game shape. So it was easier for him to get going, and it didn't take him very long. Second game of his career, his first NHL goal is a game winner in overtime. I mean, he started his career off with a bang. And even in his first game, when he didn't score, he had a couple really good shots on goal, and I said, hmm, there you go. He's, he's making some plays. I'm impressed. And as the year went on, he just got better and better and better. So if you look at this, honestly and truly, you're looking at a guy that if he had a full 82-game season was probably going to reach the 50-point mark. And a guy who would have gotten to at least 20 goals, he might have been able to get to 25. So this is somebody that's going to really, really give the Devils some really good confidence moving forward. And I think that it's really important that the Devils got him re-signed. And he has become a fan favorite already. And a couple of other things I just want to mention. Sharon Govich's 30 points last year ranked fourth in the NHL for rookies, for rookie skaters, while 16 goals ranked third and 14 assists stood seventh. So he was, he was basically top five. He was one of the top five rookies last year, other than Ty Smith. And you saw the type of production that he did. He really took the league by storm. He established himself, like I mentioned, as a top six winger. And not only has he taken really good steps in the NHL, but also when you look at what he's done internationally, you know, with his home country of Belarus, it's very impressive. And there's some things that we didn't even know about until this past year when we got a chance to see him. Uh, in the under-20 World Junior Championships in 2015-2016 and 2016-2017, uh, the World Junior Championships D1A, not really sure exactly what that is, and 2017-2018. He totaled eight career points, four goals, four assists in 17 contests at the under-20 World Junior Championship level. And also, he appeared at the IIHF's World Championships in 2016-17, 17-18, 18-19, and 2020-21. And he was the captain of Belarus in the 2020-2021 IIHF World Championships. And so that shows you that Belarus season has one of their main players as a leader. And even though he did some things that obviously were not great, he did apologize for them and understood that he needed to grow more. But now Sharon Govich has basically, you could say, a year of NHL hockey under his belt. He's going to come back to New Jersey, especially with the acquisitions that we've made. A lot, an even more competent player and a guy that I fully expect to be 25 to 30 goals next year. And certainly going to be on the top six. Now, whether or not he plays on the first line might be tough, 
I think that you might end up seeing Jesper Bratt play on the right side. But again, there's going to be a lot of things. And based off of the signing the Devils also made on that Thursday, that could change some things as well. And I'm going to go over that in just a few minutes. But just to get Sherrod Govich signed was kind of like a, okay, we got that done. We don't have to worry about that. Let's move forward. So now the only RFA left to resign is Yanni Kokkinen. And again, I do fully expect that within the next couple of weeks, Yanni Kokkinen will sign. For all we know, by the time you guys are listening to this episode, Yanni Kokkinen has already been signed. And that would be great. Because again, Yanni Kokkinen, like Sharon Govich, had some really impressive games. And the thing that still is really exciting about Kokkinen is that, again, we got him for Sammy Vatanen in that trade if you remember at the deadline prior to the NHL pause, and he was doing very well down in the AHL, he did very well with Binghamton as well. And he came up into the NHL this year and did some really, really good things. And even though now we've gotten a little bit better, you know, with the talent wise, he's still going to be an invite, you know, invaluable part to this team. And I expect them to be on the top six moving into the 2021, 22 season, but Going back to Sharon Govich, really good. So again, the Devils announced that they had re-signed Yegor Sharon Govich to a two-year contract worth $4 million. So we'll be seeing a lot more scoring from the Belarusian for the next couple of years. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the main event. When the Devils announced that they had re-signed Sharon Govich, I went on Twitter, as I normally do, and you could follow me on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. I was just going through to just see if there was anything else going on. Also, just to see what people thought of the Sharon Govich deal. But then we saw from several people, including a Slovakian reporter, announced that Tomasz Tatar was planning on signing with the New Jersey Devils. And that kind of threw me off for a little bit because if you remember when we talked about it, it seemed like the Devils and Tatar were not really on the same page. It seemed more like that Tatar was looking for a long-term deal and the Devils weren't willing to give it up. And that's kind of why they were more involved in the Vladimir Tarasenko uh, sweepstakes, if you want to call it that. But we all knew that Tom Fitzgerald was looking for top six scoring. He was looking for somebody that's going to come in as a veteran player who can score some goals to really help elevate one of Jack Hughes and Nico Kishir to the next level that they did. But then obviously we saw this rumor and I'm looking around like, I can't be the only one that's seen this. And sure enough, there were several other Devils, you know, beat reporters that were retweeting it, that were sharing it. And as we got closer and closer, all of a sudden, then we saw Elliot Freeman announce it. And then eventually the Devils announced it as well, that the New Jersey Devils have signed Tomas Tatar to a two-year contract worth $9 million. This was a move that had to be done. And what I like about it is, one, it doesn't cost the Devils anything other than money. So they didn't have to trade for this guy. He was an unrestricted free agent. Probably, if you don't count Kyle Palmieri, because I'm pretty sure he's already been signed to a new contract with the Islanders, Tomas Tatar was the biggest free agent on the market, particularly from the scoring um, the scoring, you know, part of it all. So you look at this contract, $9 million, average annual value of $4.5 million, and the breakdown goes like this. This upcoming season, Tatar will earn $3.75 million, and then next year he'll earn $5.25 million. And 
this, again, this was something that had to be done. Tatar has always been a consistent player. He's always come through with a lot of really solid goal scoring. He doesn't blow you away. He's not a 40 or 50 goal scorer. He's a solid 20, 25. Even you could say that he has pushed himself to almost get the 30 goals a couple times. Very, very good player. But on average, he's getting 20-plus goals a year, which is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. He has spent the last three years with the Montreal Canadiens, and this past year, he finished with 10 goals, 20 assists for 50 in 50 games, so for 30 points, which actually tied him for the second or third most points on the Montreal Canadiens. And if he was on the Devils last year, Tatar would have been tied with several other players for the most points on the team. So that shows you already what Tatar's value is with this team moving forward. The two previous seasons, Tatar fit, you know, he finished Tatar finished first in 2019-2020 with 22 goals, 39 assists for 61 points, and second in, in 2018-19, where he had 25 goals, 33 assists, 58 points in scoring for the Canadians. So over the last two years, Tatar has been a really, really good player for Montreal. Say what you want about the fact that he was benched most of the playoffs and obviously wasn't making a whole lot of contribution. He has been able to do a, a huge amount in his NHL career. It's 625 career NHL regular season games over 10 years with the Detroit Red Wings, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Montreal Canadiens. Tatar has recorded 176 goals at 201 assists for 377 points. So Tatar is 23 points away from 400. So there's a good chance he'll get to 400 while wearing the Devils red and black. So that's averaging about 0.60 points per game. Pretty good. Pretty good. Nearly a point per game player. He also has added 224 penalty minutes, which isn't that bad. Um, and he's been a proven, you know, a, uh, I guess you would say a playoff player. Uh, he's played in the playoffs several times. He has a lot of experience. He brings some veteran leadership. This is a guy that really needed to get signed. Now, I wanted to also talk about a couple of things that Tatar said when he spoke to the media, particularly Amanda Stein a couple of days ago. The first thing that we, we found out was this. Tatar has worn 90 for the majority of his career and coming to New Jersey, obviously that number was taken by yes for Boquist, but Tatar said he already spoke to Boquist and Boquist easily gave Tatar his number 90 and Boquist will wear 70 next year, which was Dmitry Kulikov's number last year. So we do have a number 90 still, and we have now a new number 70 for that. So that's going to be interesting to see Boquist in a, in a number 70 uh, instead of a number 90, but still. It's very nice that Boquist was so keen on doing it. Tatar said he would pay him back in one way or another. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Tatar said that watching the moves Tom Fitzgerald and the Devils made this offseason were a big factor in making the decision to ultimately sign with the Devils. He said, quote, I want to be in a place where we are going to win, end quote. Now, for people outside of Devils Twitter and Devils fandom, you look at that comment and you say, well, the Devils have barely won over the last six years. What the hell are you talking about winning? Well, as I mentioned before, and again, this is going to obviously sound biased, but still you have to look at it this way. The Devils obviously have a lot of talent. And last year, they just unfortunately were in such a difficult spot playing against the same teams over and over again. But in many games, they were very competitive. They also had to deal with COVID for 16 days, which I think rocked them more than a lot of us give them credit for, including myself that they still were able to play despite dealing with all of that. But you look at the pieces that Tom Pichello has brought in, Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves, Jonathan Bernier. Now he brings in Tatar. 
This team is clearly a much more competitive team, a much more talented team, and a team that can certainly compete for one of the last playoff spots. And that's something that is very, very exciting. And we're, and we're very much looking forward to seeing what this team could do being put together. Uh, Tatar would also say, to me, it felt like it felt we were talking more as friends and we were getting to know each other more and more each conversation when he was talking to Tom Fitzgerald. He said, Fitzgerald made it very easy for me to make this decision. And Tatar also mentioned that he got the same letter there or email, basically, that uh, that guys like Dougie Hamilton got that explained the Devils organization, you know, what they have to offer here. And he was very, very impressed that Tom Fitzgerald put in that much effort to do that. And I think that shows again. So here's something that I wanted to show. When the NHL Network was talking about the Devils, and this was right after the Tatar signing, they kind of put out some projected forward lines. And I'm just going to read them to you. And I will say this right off the bat, this will probably not be officially the, the four lines, and it won't officially be the entire roster moving forward. But this is just the forward lines. So on the fourth line, you have Miles Wood, Michael McLeod, and Tice Thompson. That's not bad. Not bad at all. On the third line, you have Andreas Janssen, Pavel Zaka, and Jesper Boquist. A good, solid scoring line on the third line. Not bad. Then on the second line, you have Yanni Kwokin and Jack Hughes and Yegor Sharangovich. I think that makes sense, especially with the, the chemistry that Sharangovich and Jack Hughes have. I think that's definitely something. And obviously also with Yanni Kwokin. Those three guys, I think, at least to start the year, should be together because they already have a lot of good chemistry and developed a lot of good things. And then you have Tomas Tatar, Nico Hischier, and Jesper Bratt on the first line. To me, that makes sense. A lot of this seems pretty pretty solid but again there also could be things like somebody who we didn't expect in camp to make the team makes the team and somebody who doesn't you know who should actually doesn't uh there could be there could be a trade in place we don't know and i want to talk about that you know the potential of another trade or another move in just a moment but the bottom line is this tom fitzgerald knew that the only thing left on his checkbox when it came to his list of things he had to do this offseason was to get top six scoring help. And he did that. So you look at this entire list, he has now checked off everything. He's basically done when you look at everything that we've asked for. And I think that that's tremendous. And the fact that ownership has allowed him to come out here in this offseason and make the moves that he's made and do the things that he needs to do to make this team better is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to be optimistic moving forward. I'm super excited to see this team play. Uh, the more moves that we make, the more talent, talented that we get, the more possibilities we're told, the more excited I get. And it's early August. We still got, I would say, probably a month and change before training camp starts, but it'll come soon enough. And I, like I said, I'm just so excited. And I'm excited to see, you know, Tomas, you know, the tuna Tatar be in New Jersey. And I think he's going to help the Devils elevate themselves to the next level when it comes to goal scoring and make themselves certainly more competitive in the Metropolitan Division. So now, the last thing that I wanted to do, as I've been trying to do to kind of keep uh, keep you guys interested a little bit, is obviously just some rumors. Nothing really concrete, but just some things to keep in mind. Uh, Corey Massazak of The Athletic, who covers the New Jersey Devils, he actually tweeted this out right after the Tatar signing. He said, even with Sharon Govich and Tomas Tatar signed, the Devils still have $14 million in cap space with one RFA left, Yanni Kwokinen. Give him a similar deal to Sharon Go, which I think that that's most likely what you're going to see, and add one more cheap player to fill out the roster, and the New Jersey Devils are still in the $12 million range. Oh, and by the way, 
when Subban's contract comes off the books next year, we have nearly $20 million in cap space in 2022. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, with the Tatar signing and Sharon Govich resigning, the Devils are definitely now over the salary cap floor. So now they could just stay where they are right now, and they're fine. Um, so when Massasak said that, that was kind of an interesting thing to say to to look at because you say, well, what? Who else out there can the Devils really go after? Who even makes sense? I mean, shouldn't we just keep what we have? Well, there's some there's some guys out there that I think are intriguing that could actually be beneficial in one way or another. One guy I can see is Phil Kessel. Obviously, the uh, the Arizona Coyotes are looking to probably move him to gain even more assets than they have now. I think Phil Kessel would be really good, particularly as I mean, you could argue to say that he could be on your third line if you really want to push it. Um, you know, he could still score. He's still a very solid goal scorer, even at his age. He's not the same that he was in, you would say, Toronto or even in Pittsburgh, but he's still very, very good. And he would bring a little bit more veteran um, leadership in the locker room. And certainly a guy who's won some Stanley Cups. And I think that would be that would be good. Now, as far as what the Devils have to give up, I have no idea. And I don't know if it's possible. I did hear, though, that uh, Phil Kessel, I think, is more interested in maybe going to like Vegas or something like that. So, Again, it, it, I don't know if um, Phil Kessel has a no-movement clause or anything like that, but that would be an interesting move. I think I think a lot of Devils fans would be okay with it. I don't think it would necessarily be that bad of a deal, so we'll see what happens with that. Some other guys that kind of stand out to me, I think Alex Galchenyuk, who's still a free agent at the moment, I think would be good to fill on that third line. Um, he certainly proved himself, he, and he had arguably his best season in a while while playing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but it could be like Janssen where it's just, you know, depictive of just how he did in Toronto with the talent that he had around him. But I think coming to a team like New Jersey, he actually would be one of the older players on the team. And I think coming to a team that could definitely give him an opportunity to be here long term, I think would be a good thing as well. And you could give him, you know, a, a one year, maybe even a two year deal at like two million dollars, two point five million dollars. And you would be fine. Um and as far as where he go, I mean, I look at what we have right now. You know, maybe you put him in over Boquist, even though I think Boquist obviously um, has more potential at this point in his career than, than Galchenyuk does. But he could be somebody that could come in and certainly help us in the way that he he's not going to score a whole lot of points, but he's certainly going to help us on the checking line. And I think that that's something that we're lacking. Uh, another guy that actually has been linked to the Devils as of late, according to the fourth period, has been Riley Smith of the Vegas Golden Knights. Again, another guy that could come in as a third-line guy that could be productive, that could get us, you know, 10, 15 goals. And I think he's obviously realized that he's going to be one of those guys that needs to be moved from Vegas. They still have to make some moves. And he could be somebody the Devils could get for a pretty cheap deal. And the last guy, again... And this kind of caught me off surprise because it was the day after we signed Tatar, uh, David Pagnata of the fourth period. So the Devils are still in the running for Vladimir Tarasenko. So that's a surprise. I think it's, I'll put it this way. I think the chances of us getting Tarasenko now is pretty low to almost nothing, only because why would we bring him in? We already, we, we got exactly what we needed. We don't have to go after Tarasenko. Unless we're going to get Tarasenko for mad cheap, which the longer that this goes, the, the higher chance that could be. I don't know exactly where he'd go. I mean, is, is Kokanen going to be taken out of the lineup then? 
Uh, is a guy like McLeod going to be a healthy scratch? I mean, what exactly are like, you know, what, what's the, what exactly is the thing here? I, I don't really know. Um, you know, so I think that's something to keep in mind. Do I think that Tarasenko becomes a devil? No, I think at this point, because of the Tatar signing, it's, it's, um, it's very unlikely. But if the Devils were to also get Tarasenko, it's pretty damn impressive, especially if we don't have to give up a whole lot. But I kind of wonder now that if, you know, Yanni Kokin is still an RFA, do you do a sign and trade? I mean, do you do a sign and trade where Kokin signs a deal with the Devils and then gets used in the trade for Tarasenko? That would kind of suck, honestly, because, you know, Kokin still has untapped potential and Tarasenko, we're not sure what he's going to be like. Um, until he's fully healthy, and who knows how healthy he'll actually be when the season starts. But it, it's always a possibility. Um, but I think the chances of it of him being moved to New Jersey is pretty small. I think now it's down to the Islanders and Rangers. But the Devils, according to Dave Pagnana, are still in the running. So we'll see if Tom Fitzgerald has one more move up his sleeve. I do think that there is at least one more move left. I don't think it's Tarasenko. I think it'll be for a third-line guy. It'll be interesting to see what the Devils do with that. But ladies and gentlemen, we had one busy Thursday. And the biggest news, obviously, was getting Sharon Govich back and bringing in Tatar to help solidify the top six, which is phenomenal. So let me know what you guys think of all the moves that I've made. Do you like them? Do you not like them? Um, what do you think the Devils could could add? Or, you know, do the Devils need to add anything else? And if they do, what exactly do they add? What players are interesting to you? Let me know what you guys think on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind.